Conversations That Matter podcast. We are going to talk about the Southern Baptist Convention today. Uh, it is happening. Today's an important day for that particular denomination, and uh, I'm going to put out two podcasts. This is the first one. I wanted to get it out there before the presidential vote and the resolutions tonight, and uh, just talk about some of the things that are happening as well, give you an update. Um, of course, things have been taking place after I stopped the record button on my podcast. That's happened a few times. Unfortunately, uh, Mike Stone twice, um, kind of th- this happened when something happened with him or he responded to something and I had already you know, put out my, my podcast. But uh, I wanted to um, talk about what happened last night uh, a little bit. Mike Stone, um, as some of you may know, was he, he was in a conversation with someone who... Um, is a, uh, according to the reports I saw, an abuse survivor. Um, And uh, it didn't go well, and she was crying, and the insinuation is that uh, he um, made her cry and did something wrong. And this has uh, the progressives in the convention really just motivated. It's it's driving, you know, the uh, energy on their base up, and um, I, I got I, I got a message this morning um, from someone uh, actually in sort of a higher up in Georgia Baptist um, uh, denominational life uh, that just w- was a little discouraging about this. I don't think we need to be totally discouraged about this. I think we, it really all depends at this point on ground game, who shows up, um, what they've already probably decided. There's probably a few votes that, that, that might sway. And that situation may have swayed a few uh, towards Stone because they're sympathetic to some what they consider to be a dirty trick, like a Democrat playbook kind of thing. Uh, and then there are others, though, who are probably wondering if there's truth to the allegation. And now they're maybe switching support. But I, I don't know what those numbers are. And, and I'll be honest with you. I've had so many people that I've talked to that are um, at the convention, those who are have been in Southern Baptist life for a long time tell me so many mixed reports. I mean, everything from, uh, you know, going into it, Moeller and Stone are kind of the favored candidates. Um, and, and they are more probably establishment-ish candidates uh, to, you know, it's going to be, uh, it, it's the conservatives are going to split the vote and, and no conservative is going to make it to the second round. It's going to be Litton and, um, and, and Moeller uh, to, you know, one one person thought that this magazine that Randy Adams put out is going to have a huge uh, make a, a huge dent. Um, others, uh, there's just I, I, I probably it, it it literally is every single scenario that probably could happen is being predicted. So the long and short of it is people really don't know. Uh, there's um, over a le- there's I think last I, I checked over eleven thousand. Uh, delegates or messengers, they call them there. And um, that's a significantly high number. Uh, it probably means that there's um, a lot of conservatives showing up who are very angry. But don't don't uh, forget, swamp is deep. A lot of the people uh, who went to like the SEND conference yesterday, they're paid to be there by the, uh, the organization. Um, there's it really could go in multiple different directions so we're going to analyze what happened last night a little bit there's a report coming out this morning that um suggests uh, albert moeller's behind this i'll show you that i should also mention this and, and it could be just i'm i'm feeling this way i don't think so though I, I sense it out there i think a lot of you are feeling kind of nervous that it probably about one one hundredth of the way you felt during the national election last year, but it, it's similar to that in a way. You don't want to see evangelical Christianity and Southern Baptist Convention uh, go in the same direction and um and, and you're you know you're worried about it. And that's understandable in some ways. Um I'm not sure what's causing all of this, but I, I've noticed there's a lot of uh there's a lot more infighting than I'm used to seeing normally. And I think it's because emotions are high and people really have strong opinions on what should happen today in the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, I know, and I want to clarify a few things too. Um, I know one person was kind of going after me because I I said um, stage four chemo. We need stage four chemo for stage four cancer. Uh, And that's not technically medically correct. Yeah, I, I know that. I know that there's no such thing really as stage four chemo. That's not a category. Um, my whole point, and I hope 
most of you, I think 99% of you probably did understand, but I, I just to clarify, but my whole point in that, in saying that is just that there needs to be drastic measures in order to get the convention uh, to go in the right direction. There really isn't any other way around it. Um, yes, I realize that there, there's no designation medically for stage four, you know, quote unquote chemo. Um, I, my, my whole point, though, is that if you really think Southern Baptist Convention has stage four cancer or whether you think it has stage one cancer, as one very prominent member of CBN told me a year ago, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's only stage one, like where we caught it early. And I thought, no, I think you're at about stage three. I'd say now you're at, you're at about stage four. Um, if you're more in line with what I think is the diagnosis, then you're going to take drastic measures. You're going to want to do something uh, un unprecedented, maybe it, even asking churches to withhold cooperative funding um, until audits are made or certain people are fired or, you know, whatever the, the list of line items would be. So that's all I meant by that. And I'm sorry if it confused any of you. The other thing, um, I saw a few comments on the last video uh, that people were concerned that I, I had talked about how much I like sources and want sources. I'm a stickler on sources. And then uh, the accusation, or I shouldn't even, that's a strong word, not accusation, but the concern. And I, and I appreciate the concern, by the way, I really do, um, is that I um, am making uh, unbased, I think the particular word that was used is I'm uh, sharing rumors uh, about something that happened uh, yesterday or two days ago with J.D. Greer uh, in an elevator uh, and someone confronted him on critical race theory and he called the police. And so this was uh, something that I had said uh, I had heard. And that's 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 the only thing I was saying. I wasn't saying that it did happen. I was saying this is a report and it's supposed to go out there. And yes, it was sent to me from someone that I trust not to just be making things up. It's not a rumor, just so people know. I'm not I, w I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't, and I would let you know. If it's a rumor, I would say, this is a rumor, and then I would give the reason why you would need to know about it. Normally, you wouldn't. If it's a rumor, you wouldn't need to know. It's uh, not something that's uh, important. Um, in fact, I think that's probably what I'll talk about later with the Mike Stone situation a little bit. Um, I'll get into some of that, but th this wasn't a rumor. This was actually a, someone who um, is, is, I would say, generally reliable on this kind of thing. They wouldn't just make something up, at least. And uh, they, they were the ones that texted me and told me about it. So I didn't have all the information, but that information, as I understand, is coming out. And I will uh, talk a little bit more about that um, as we go through today's podcast. So uh, that's what you can expect. I'll talk about some of the resolutions. Um, I'll give some analysis, uh, if there is any left to give, on the uh, presidential uh, situation there and, and uh, who's expected to win and all that. Um, as we go through the podcast today, uh, and we will have someone, uh, Lord willing, planning on having someone from the convention floor to give me kind of a firsthand account later today for all of you who couldn't be there at the convention, because let's face it, not many of you could. So uh, we will start here today. This is from the SEND conference, which uh, was Sunday night and Monday for pastors, um, and I, I guess probably a lot of entity workers were there, probably many of them paid to be there. Uh, it is uh, a clip of Pastor Tony Evans, who's not a Southern Baptist, uh, does believe critical race theory has some useful insights and things like that. So I'm more on the progressive side, from what I understand. And um, here is a joke he made, and the reaction to it is the reason I wanted to play this. Uh, this tells you, if you're in a convention with people who laugh at this kind of joke, you know, would you laugh at this joke? Ask yourself, would you laugh at this? Do you think that this, this kind of a thing is funny? Let me um, play it for you. All right, very short clip, but you can hear the laughter from the audience. He makes a joke after someone asks him, why don't you, you know, run for the Southern Baptist Convention? And he says, well, I thought lynching was over. The suggestion here is that Southern Baptists, they're, are, they're really racist. I mean, he, look, he's talking at one of their conferences. This is the thing. He's an invited guest to speak. And then he insinuates that they're racist and he would be lynched if he was like the president or something like that. That's what would happen. That, that's incredibly, it, you would think at least being an invited guest somewhere and then insinuating that you, you would, you know, you're the kind of people that would murder someone because 
they're another color or something like that. that. That would be offensive. You'd think that would be offensive. And I understand. We Everyone makes comments sometimes that are dumb in the moment. You don't think about them. Public speakers, when they speak all the time, they're especially susceptible to that. I get all that. The laughter from the audience, though, is the thing I don't quite understand here. Um, if you're a conservative in the convention, and if you like your convention for the most part, or you don't, you know, you think that it's doing good in the world, and you know, you want to, uh, you know, make it better and and that kind of thing. This is who you're sharing the convention with. I mean, these are the people who are committed because they're coming, or they're paid to be there. I don't know, but they're coming to. Uh, it could be both. Probably it is both. They're coming to a conference that is before the convention itself. Not only are they probably a lot of messengers there, but people who have a some kind of a tie or a commitment to the denomination. And a lot of them think this is funny. I'm sure not all of them did, but uh, that that's just a little sample of th- these are the people that you're going to be voting with tomorrow, uh, today, actually now, today. So um, figured I would share that with you. Now let's talk about this uh, story uh, from yesterday, Baptist Press put out on Randy Adams' campaign. They call it tabloid. And, um, I mean, listen to this headline. Adams publishes campaign tabloid declines specifics of funding. That is so slanted. The concern isn't what's in the, ta- the quote-unquote tabloid, what's in the newspaper, what it says. Can it uh, prove the assertions it makes, which it, it is backed up. But rather, who's funding it? That's the important question. Who's funding it? If if you can get, you know, uh, some kind of, this, this is, here, I want to I want to talk about this. I'm going to put myself on the, here we go. You can see me now. Um, this is the thing that gets me. The last week, has, two weeks really, has shown something that I think it really unmasks hypocrisy. And I haven't really heard anyone calling attention to it. But a lot of the same people, and I could, I could line them up. I could make a whole podcast on it. I don't think it's worth my time. But a lot of the same people who have spoken out against, quote-unquote, discernment bloggers or discernment ministries, etc., where they say, you're just slandering people. You're just putting out unsubstantiated uh, data out there. You, you, you're not actually talking to people. You're, um, you're just trying to make people look bad. That's all you're trying to do. We've seen that kind of tactic um, that it's projection that that a tactic has been used in actuality in the last two weeks it's not even the quote-unquote discernment people whoever they are who are doing that um it's not you know the the protestia and the reformation charlotte and the capstone people that are doing this as much as it is the people on the left in the southern baptist convention you see what they've been doing to mike stone and you see the same kind of thing towards randy adams uh, it's, you know, I almost want to ask them, did you go, did you do Matthew 18? That's what the, the one, what they always want to say to people who, uh, talk about others in a way that's not the most flattering, um, and respond to public information in a public way, uh, which is totally appropriate. That's what Jesus even did with the Pharisees. You, you always got to have a private powwow with them because if you don't, you're not obeying the Bible or something like that. But the last two weeks we've seen that they don't actually believe that. How many of them reached out to Mike Stone with any of the accusations that have been made against Mike Stone? It's jumping to conclusions. It's, I mean, I, I think of, was it Philip Bethencourt, who's from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, or was, put out all these recordings, and he said, I'm going to be a whistleblower in the SBC. Isn't this the very thing that people like Philip Bethencourt have been arguing against for, like, the past few years, is that the, these whistleblowers are all, these are bad people. They... They should be uh, going to the people that they're making accusations of first. And, uh, you know, there's no reason to do this. It's just not Christian. That, that's the kind of, that's the flavor of the rhetoric. And now all of a sudden it's flipped. They've all of a sudden all become quote unquote discernment bloggers. All the progressives, right? They, because they're sharing the information, even if they're not the source of it. So here, here's just, uh, anyway, a little sample. Uh, this Baptist Press uh, article on uh, Randy Adams uh, quote unquote tabloid. So let's go through a little bit of it here. Uh, Nashville, SBC presidential candidate, Randy Adams said he, along with others, he declined to name. That's the first sentence. We haven't even finished the first sentence. People he declined to name combined to fund the publication and delivery of a tabloid styled newspaper. SBC news was being distributed outside the music city center Sunday morning. The tabloid alleges dishonesty, 
and corruption. No, it actually proves dishonesty and corruption. It shows you where where the evidence is. Uh, in keeping with the charges Adams has routinely made as part of his campaign platform. Adams, who is the executive director, treasurer of the Northwest Baptist Convention, told Baptist Press, the publication is a one-off for now, at least. He said the tabloid's purpose was to help messengers understand why he is a candidate for SBC president, particularly related to issues of transparency, accountability, participation, and building partnerships. Without providing specifics, Adams said no one from the Northwest Baptist Convention was involved in the project. This is just where, okay, have we even gotten to whether any of what the magazine, the newspaper talks about is true? No. And do we ever really get there? No, we don't. Um, it, it's simply, all this is, is a, an attempt to cast shade on the contents of it because who knows who's funding it? They might have bad motivations. And that's the worst thing for Christians. Someone who might have bad motivations, um, putting out information. Uh, and uh, it, it, you know, it's funded. It's a tabloid. It's, uh, you can't trust this thing. That's, that's the takeaway that people are going to have when they read this. This isn't journalism. This isn't reporting what is actually happening. This isn't seeking to understand a situation. This is politicized. This is someone in the, the can already uh, for a particular candidate or agenda, or they're against Randy Adams or against the transparency message, uh, putting their spin on it. So Randy Adams um, is dealing with this. Uh, someone else obviously dealing with a lot of um, backlash is Mike Stone. Normally I would go collect uh, all the uh, tweets and everything about this. There's actually a lot of them, but... Uh, I think actually Protestia did a lot of that work for me, and uh, I, I saw these before the ar- seeing the article, but I like the organization they have of it. Um, there, so, so here's the story. Um, I'll just read for you some tweets. Here's someone who I guess is at the convention. Moments ago, Pastor Mike Stone told Freedom's Bride, which is her Twitter handle, uh, just outside the convention hall that she was doing harm to the denomination. As she walked away in tears, pastors and messengers came up to shake his hand and wish him luck tomorrow. When I tried to talk to Stone, he took his wife by the arm saying he couldn't talk. Um, let's see here. Uh, he needs a private booking to do interviews. Uh, I saw her a few moments ago, someone else says. Can confirm she was left crying in the hallway of the SBC 21. Messengers came around to comfort her, waiting to hear back from Pastor Mike Stone. Uh, Griffin uh, Gulledge, I spoke with five messengers who were there and saw her burst into tears and spoke with having... Anyway... It's all the same thing. Let me see here. Uh, he missed the interaction, didn't see it. Um, the The name of uh, this individual is Hannah Kate. And um, he, there, the, the charge is that Tom Askell, here, here's the picture just so people can see. Charge is that Tom Askell was talking to her. There's Hannah uh, with the green, um, uh, I guess that's a identifying um, necklace. And then uh, blonde hair, and she's talking to Mike Stone, and um, and you know my she she was her, her story is that she was going uh, and submitting a um, uh, I I don't know if it was a resolution or a floor motion or just a recommendation, but it was some kind of um, paper to people at the SBC to raise awareness about sexual abuse and then to ask for specific action. And I did read it. Uh, I don't think it's included in this article. It, it It's kind of unreasonable, a lot of the things in it. It's, it's kind of like making the SBC work in a way that the SBC is not really, um, not all of it necessarily, but it it's, um, wants further investigation and stuff like that. So anyway, I, I don't know what the interaction was. I don't know the specifics of everything, and I don't know that anyone even commenting it on it on Twitter does. But um, this is what Pastor Mike Stone said about the whole thing. Tonight, as my wife and I walked through the convention hall at the SBC annual meeting, I was greeted by a sexual abuse survivor whom I had never met. A reporter stood nearby as she gave me a flyer, and we engaged in a brief conversation. Others were present in this crowded area, including my wife and several other pastors and their wives. Each has corroborated that it was a polite conversation. At no time was I unkind. I cannot speak to what happened after I left the area, but but any other characterization of my conversation is false. Here's Hannah Kate. I know you guys don't like my church t-shirt, but pastor, pastor's calling me a whore as you walk by wearing your messenger tags doesn't really send the message that you love. Also, 
Derek, Delane, and Mike George's are my security team, so there's that. Um, I know she had also said uh, that, she, you know, the last thing she said to Tom Askell was, I forgive you and God forgives you. Not Tom Askell, I'm sorry. Mike Stone. Did I say Tom Askell? Mike Stone. We're about to talk about Tom Askell, so that's why I said that. Uh, anyway, th this is the charge uh, that's being leveled. And um, I'll show you this. Here's, uh, let's see here. We'll close that. Here's, so this is just a little bit. I don't know a lot about her. I poked around her Twitter for a little bit last night just to see if I could find any more. Where is she coming from? What's the angle here um, as far as like what, what her motive is and everything? And I, I think, I mean, it, I'll take her out of her word that she was abused and she wants to raise awareness and she wants to, uh, wants the SBC to do something. I guess it, it was her dad or her pastor, some, someone in the SBC who had, uh, I guess, raped her it sounds like and then paid for an abortion and she she claims for or pr promoted that somehow encouraged it and she says somehow this person is out protesting abortion outside the convention that's what her claim is um i just i have a hard time believing some of the things she says like for instance people were calling her whores really there, there's people that caustic at the sbc convention they're just going up to a stranger and calling her a whore um I, this sounds like an unstable person. I just don't, I, I would be shocked uh, to find that out if that was publicly going on. Here, here's just a few things, though, that might suggest there might, could be a political angle to some of this. Um, Hannah Kate uh, from her Twitter, women who have had abortions are not murderers. It's, all life is precious, including the life of the mother. I am not a murderer. Um. I won't be the abusers. It won't be the abusers who pushed me out of evangelical culture. It will have been all of the self-righteous critics who still think they aren't a part of it. So she thinks about abortion, what she thinks about evangelical culture. Why I don't identify as a bisexual, a thread. I'm Hannah Kate. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm attracted to males and females. Uh, I've been since around 11. And, and look, this is, it, it's, this is hard. This is hard. I know a lot of people who go through abuse situations end up getting confused on um, sexuality and stuff. And it's, it's tragic. It really is. Um, here's what she says, though. I grew up in a very anti-LGBTQ community. I didn't get out of that community until this past year. I am still unlearning. That's the word she uses. A lot of the dangerous practices associated with the hate-driven ideology that I was taught. Things like gays are evil. Homosexuality separates you from God. Those are just things... I mean, the Bible teaches that homosexuality is a sin, that there, I mean, it says that a lot more than just homosexuals. It says no thief, no adulterer, no liar like, will enter the heaven. I mean, it's, this, these are just biblical things that she's rejecting here. And she's rejecting, so I want you to see this, rejecting evangelical culture, that it's abusive, fundamentally abusive. Even those who didn't abuse her, they're part of it. So they're, they're part of the abuse. But the LGBT community, well, you know what? That, not so much. That's, that's fine. Uh, there's good things about that, I guess. Uh, it's not fundamentally abusive. Um, she also says, "I looks like I'm voting for Biden. Still wishing it was Andrew Yang in the race. Andrew Yang is so radical. It's just her political bend is very, you can see, radical as well. Um, it baffles me how upset we as Christians get when someone who's been hurt by evangelical culture. See, it's not even the people who hurt her or the person who hurt her. It's evangelical culture. That's the problem. Uh, starts bad-mouthing it, as if the one wounded is a threat to the gospel, as if the victim owes the offender an explanation of their frustration. Where's the call for repentance? So what is the expectation here? Again, it, it's this is the social justice side of the Me Too stuff, uh, that there's really there isn't really any forgiveness ever. The, there's nothing you can do. Uh, you, as many people has come to her, have come to her, even Mike Stone, and s said you know, how sorry they are for her situation, it doesn't matter. It's evangelical culture has a stain. It won't ever go away. It's just who the evangelicals are fundamentally. And uh, that if you say that, look, you're going a little over the top blaming all of us, you don't care about abuse survivors. You don't care. That's, that's, it's weaponized. Um, and so um, here's, I just want to show you this. And maybe by the time I post this, it'll be published. Uh, Jordan Hall with uh, Protestia put, put this out. Um, two things. I'll, I'll read the first one. It's it's not um, as... Well, I'll, I'll read the one related to what we're talking about, and then we'll go to the one that's a little unrelated. 
Um, Protestia has received firsthand testimony on record that the woman who ambushed Pastor Mike Stone was seen with an Albert Moeller, an SBTS employee, talking privately prior to the incident, pointing toward Stone. It was coordinated. We will report the details tomorrow. So those details, I'm assuming, are out there somewhere. I'm not sure. Uh, This is just what's publicly out there. And so people yesterday were concerned that I was repeating hearsay and stuff. This is... um, Again, we filmed a webcast tonight, also from Jordan Hall, with witnesses of J.D. Greer calling police on a preacher who politely asked him in a public place to repent of bad theology. Yes, the police also thought Greer was a crybaby. It'll be out tomorrow. So both of these things are supposed to be out sometime uh, this morning, and as I'm recording this as the morning is coming to an end. So I'm assuming they are out there now, or they will be soon, and uh, and you can go check them out. Now, look, I'm not the one that saw any of this. Um, I'm just reporting to you uh, what's out there and what people are saying. And whether or not you think Jordan Hall might exaggerate or uh, put spins on things or whatever, I it is not like him from, and, I, and I'll just say this personally, it is not like him and it's not like Protestia to just make something up out of thin air. I don't think I've ever seen that. They'll put commentary in their articles analyzing things, but usually there's a source somewhere. Uh, in fact, almost every time there is a source somewhere that you can go look at. And maybe you won't agree with their commentary, but you will with the the, the kernel of truth behind it all is there's, there is some kind of fact that the commentary is based on. And um, so I, I do view this as there's something credible to both of these. I just don't know what the details are. So uh, that will come out, uh, I suppose, at some point. Now, um, I want to give you some more about this. Uh, so, so this young lady um, showed up at the convention this morning during a motion, and I want to play it for you. Here is the motion. Grant Gaines, messenger from Bel Air Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. In light of recent allegations made against the executive committee of mishandling sexual abuse cases, I stand with SBC Church abuse survivors, and right now I'm standing beside one such SBC Church abuse survivor, And I move that the Southern Baptist Convention, meeting June 15th to 16th, 2021 in Nashville, Tennessee, ask the newly elected president of the SBC to appoint a task force within 30 days of the date of this convention that shall be comprised of members of Baptist churches cooperating with this convention and experts in sexual abuse and the handling of sexual abuse related dynamics. This task force shall either assume oversight of the third party review announced previously by the executive committee or initiate a separate third party review. Said task force shall ensure that the third party review includes an investigation into any allegations of abuse, mishandling of abuse, mistreatment of victims, a pattern of intimidation of victims or advocates, and resistance to sexual abuse reform initiatives. The investigation shall include actions and decisions of staff and members of the executive committee from January 1st, 2000 to June 14th, 2021. This investigation should include an audit of the procedures and actions taken by the credentials committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, which was formed at the the convention meeting in Birmingham, Alabama, June 11th and 12th, 2019. The review shall be funded by allocations from the cooperative program. We further move that the task force agree that the accepted best best standards and practices as recommended by the commission third party, including but not limited to the executive committee staff and members waiving attorney-client privilege in order to ensure full access to information and accuracy in the review. A written report of the factual findings of this review shall be presented to the task force 30 days prior to the SBC annual meeting in 2022 and made public in full form within one week of the task force receipt of the report, along with suggestions from the task force for actions to be taken by our convention. Quite frankly, SBC messengers and especially SBC abuse survivors deserve to know the truth. I, again, will assume that this constitutes as a second. Make sure you have filed your motion. Thank you. Now, I want you to listen to that applause. It's significant. And this is one of the things that I, I think I might have um, misjudged a little bit. I thought the inflated numbers 
for the convention meant a lot of angry conservatives showed up, and I think they did. But if you're looking at what's happening right now in the convention hall, uh, it, it, there's a lot of progressives, I think, probably out there as well. And it's really a brilliant move in a way that the, the progressives, or what do you even call them, the social justice advocates, they have chosen, instead of critical race theory, because they knew conservatives were going to go after that, instead, they turned the tables two weeks beforehand. This was an organized strategy, guys. I'm convinced of that. And they chose the abuse issue for their issue. And they have, they have, they, they have done everything within their power to um, make it look organic and to use victims, uh, their stories, to promote their political agenda. And they've done so absolutely brilliantly, I have to say. They've done a very, the progressives have, the, the social justice advocates have done a very, very good job with this. And conservatives, they, they just don't think the same way. They don't have, like, for instance, a conservative doesn't come to make a motion about critical race theory and have someone next to them who was beaten up because they were white or you know lost their job or was canceled because of their view on social justice. They don't have their victims. And this is one of the, the, the weaknesses in a way of just the world we live in of optics and image. Conservatives are still in a world of logic and reason, many of them. They think that that should carry the day and it doesn't anymore, unfortunately. And that's, that's a sign of our... Uh, culture going downhill. But the the progressives make sure to have abuse victims next to them. In this case, um, the, this young lady is crying uh, as she's uh, hearing this. Um, th she was not the only one, though. There was another motion given, and let me play that one for you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Greer. Um, I, too, stand with a survivor, and it's my privilege to make this motion on behalf of SBC survivors. Todd Benkert, messenger from Oak Creek Community Church in Mishawaka, Indiana. I move to request the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission to hire an outside organization to oversee an audit and assessment of sexual abuse within the SBC. The organization shall be authorized to receive and assess over the next three years both reports of sexual abuse, allegations of mishandling abuse from voluntarily participating churches, victims, and witnesses. Because participation in the assessment is strictly voluntary, the assessment will not be exhaustive, but rather aim to provide broad spectrum data and analysis on rates of abuse, allegations, mishandling of abuse allegations, and patterns related to said allegations. I further move that we ask the ERLC to include the organization's preliminary findings in their 2022 and 2023 annual reports and submit a final report including the organization's recommendations for our churches, entities, and denominational structures for the 2024 annual meeting. Is there a second? Please file your motion. Now, contrast this with the way the conservatives have presented their case against critical race theory, because that's what they came there prepared to do. Um, and, and see if, compare the energy in the crowd, compare the, 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 just the emotional appeal that uh, their emotions have. My name's Tom Askell. I'm the pastor of Grace Baptist Church, Cape Coral, Florida, a messenger from there. Pursuant to the provision made in Robert's Rules of Order, newly revised sections 35.1 and 35.2, I move that this convention rescind Resolution 9 that was adopted in the waning moments of the 2019 convention in Birmingham, Alabama. I will assume that constitutes as a second, and so you can bring it here to uh, the front if you haven't already done so. It's been, it's been sent in electronically. Thank you. Thank you. 9B, a motion. My name is Jared Longshore. I'm a pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. In light of private correspondence of the immediate past president of the ERLC, purportedly leaked by a third party, in which he speaks of wickedness committed in his presence behind closed doors involving gutter-level racism, mishandling sexual abuse, mistreatment of sexual abuse victims, a pattern of intimidation, and resistance to sexual abuse reform initiatives. I move that the messengers ask the newly elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention 
to appoint a task force to select a Christian third party made up of SBC pastors to investigate the ERLC staff and board regarding their involvement in the past president's alleged concealment of grievous sin and his handling of the same. I further move that such an investigation include all current and former staff and board activities and confidential ERLC records back to 2018 and that the task force report back to our convention at our next annual meeting with the findings of the investigation as well as any recommendations for actions to be taken by our convention. Thank you, Jared. Is there a second? Please file your motion. Bob Dutton, messenger from Salem Baptist Church, Vatican Sabbath, Virginia, a motion related to critical race theory, whereas government entities, states, counties, and school boards across America are trying to force critical race theory on our society, whereas critical race theory is not a Christian idea, but comes out of radical Marxism, whereas critical race theory is out to destroy Christianity in this nation, whereas the tenets of critical race theory focus on putting man above God, therefore be it resolved that the SBC in Nashville stand against critical race theory and be it further resolved that these, the SBC direct Lifeway Christian Resources to provide and publish materials to teach our churches about the dangers of critical race theory and be it further resolved that the SBC directs our six seminaries to teach about the dangers of critical race theory and that the ERLC also provide and publish materials that give Christians true information about the dangers of critical race theory. Thank you, sir. Again, the chair recognizes the response as a second. Make sure you filed your motion. My name is Brian King, messenger from Harvest Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. On Thursday, June 17, 2021, the nine U.S. Supreme Court justices will be in conference to consider NAM's petition to SCOTUS in the case with Dr. Will McCraney. Given the recent court filings of NAM and the ERLC over the relationships between the SBC and its entities and other Baptist bodies, I move that the SBC, as soon as it is possible, investigate the legal claims presented in the NAM and ERLC court filings in the U.S. Supreme Court and other federal courts to determine if NAM and or ERLC legal claims or statements conflict with the governing documents of the SBC and or the historical relationships between the SBC, SBC entities, and other Baptist bodies, namely autonomous state Baptist conventions, autonomous Baptist associations, and autonomous local churches. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Is there a second? Please file your motion. Look at the difference between these and it could just compare the ones about abuse and with the ones about critical race theory and then um, the issue with uh, NAM uh, and the ERLC filing briefs to um, essentially override the, um, the way that the convention itself functions by claiming that uh, they are part, they, they are the top of a hierarchy essentially. The, these are conservative motions. One's about localism and keeping the convention um, local and accountable. Uh, the other ones are uh, against critical race theory and then investigating the ERLC. And you can see that, um, and, and, and the men who brought those, I mean, I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful that they brought those resolutions. But you can see the way that the progressives on their issues use just e e emotional... Um, I want to say manipulation almost, but they, they really do make it a whole big show. And it, it's for the conservative mind, it seems manipulated. It seems uh, if you're just used to logic and reason, you think that should carry the day. 
that's that's what you go into your fight with. Those are the tools you bring. I'm going to bring my logic. I'm going to bring my open Bible, right? If you're in the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm going to bring reason with me and and hopefully some rhetoric. The left tends to just choose uh, rhetoric and emotion, and they have their victims with them. It's a powerful image. That's they're they're playing to the camera, uh, and um, and and they know the narrative's already set up for them. Uh, the media's got their back. Uh, the elites in the convention have their back. They have everyone already kind of giving them them cover. So th- this is um, the situation right now in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, um, another thing also happened, and I thought this was very significant. If you want to get an idea of where the room is at, whether they're going to vote for Stone, whether they're going to vote uh, for um, Moeller, Adams, Litton, um, th- this will show you a little bit more about where the convention is truly at, I think. Uh, this was an exchange between Tom Askell and J.D. Greer on um, funding, cooperative program dollars, going to seminaries or other institutions that promote or teach critical race theory. And he says, we don't want that, right? So let's put a motion in place uh, to stop that uh, money from going forward. J.D. Greer stops it. I want you to watch this. And J.D. Greer, now it's pretty divided, you can see, but J.D. Greer seems to have the edge. A little bit now the people on the at the front usually do but this is not as overwhelmingly of a conservative audience as i thought um p- probably i the way i thought about it yesterday to, uh, talking to a lot of people there um and i think that's normal when you go somewhere you're going to be with people that you're probably more like you're going to have conversations with them and there's a whole lot of conservatives there but uh it looks like it's pretty evenly divided and probably in favor of the progressives um which is not good i i, I sense a split this afternoon. I, I think the split is probably, it's really already been in effect, but I sense the split really happening this afternoon, but that's just my own sense. Watch this and you tell me uh, what you think in the comments. I do have an amendment. I'm Tom Askell, pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. I move that the 2021-2022 proposed SBC cooperative program allocation budget be amended to prohibit any funds being allocated to any institution, agency, or entity that in any way supports, promotes, or advocates any tenets of critical theory, critical race theory, or intersectionality. So let me make clear, um, after consulting with the parliamentarians and lawyers, I am no advocate of CRT, but after discussing this with them, I'm going to rule that amendment out of order for the following reasons. First, it violates the principles of our Southern Baptist system, the trustee system, namely, which has been the cornerstone of our polity for as long as any of us can remember. We have a system that was designed to work in a certain way, um, and that means if we want to see a certain thing changed, then we persuade Southern Baptists and elected a president that appoints trustees that holds these uh, entities accountable. Um, Also, um, after discussing this with the parliamentarians and lawyers, it is their unanimous opinion that it would be impossible to administer this. The amendment does not specify, for example, who determines if they are out of order, what tenets of CRT we are talking about, and who arbitrates, which means that it is not giving it to anyone who actually can do anything with it. So for that reason, um, with their counsel, I'm going to rule that out of order. Messengers are certainly free to appeal that ruling if if they want to, but that is the ruling as it stands. We can certainly amend my amendment to provide a council of experienced pastors to make those judgments that you said can't be made. But here we are at this convention with more messengers than we've had in recent years, and they came here to be heard. They came here to hear discussions about these issues that have divided us the last two years. I think it would be very appropriate for our messengers to be given the opportunity to vote on this amendment of the allocation of the cooperative program dollars that are given from our churches to finance our institutions and our agencies. So I respectfully ask that the decision be reversed.
Again, to, res to respond for the reason for the ruling of out of order, let me make it clear that I nor, nor our parliamentarians or lawyers have any desire to thwart or um, uh, silence the voice of any of our messengers. The question is simply doing it in the means by which Southern Baptists have customarily done it and through which they have appointed it. Um, again, we have a system that has um, worked for us for many years. It is a reliable system, the trustee system, and there are means to do that. There is also the resolutions committee. Um, secondly, I would say that while it is possible to amend the amendment and to submit a new one, I am simply ruling on the amendment as written, which, again, as the parliamentarians say, is not in the form that it actually can be arbitrated, because it does not specify who would arbitrate, does not specify which tenets of CRT they are using, does not specify that process. And so, for that reason, again, the, uh, the, the parliamentarians and the lawyers believe that this, um, as written, is out of order so that Southern Baptists can make their voice heard in the means and by the channels which um, they have historically done that and, and appointed as their governance. So are you ready for the question on the appeal? Okay, the question is, shall the decision of the chair be sustained? Meaning that the amendment is out of order. Shall the decision of the chair be sustained? If that is your choice and you affirm that, please indicate so by uplifted ballot. Shall the opinion of the chair be overturned? If that is your wish, then please raise your ballot. The majority has it and the decision of the chair is sustained. Well, there you have it. Um, this is going to be interesting because you can tell from that vote that there, there are two sides on that issue and uh, the edge may be slightly in the more uh, social justice progressive direction, but it, it's pretty evenly matched. Um, what does this mean for this afternoon and the votes that are going to take place? It means it's going to be close. You got a four-way race. You got um, the, the fav favorite ones coming in for you going back a week or two. Uh, the ones most talked about were Stone and Moeller, but you also have Litton and Adams, and that can change things. Uh, it really depends who gets into that first, um, who, who gets, so the way it works is you're going to have a vote at like 2.15, and then there's one at like 4 or something like that, but the first one is going to be all four, and then the second one will be the two who got the most votes, uh, as I understand it. So um, it really depends who gets into those slots. And uh, if there's a conservative uh, in that slot, if it's Stone or Adams in that slot, are there going to be enough people to rally around that person uh, in order to help uh, for, for them to win? That doesn't mean when they win, the convention is saved, though, either. It is an uphill battle. And um, to overuse the analogy that uh, some, some people didn't like me using, uh, and maybe someone can coin this now, uh, you need the stage four chemo, right? <laughs> You need to kill the cancer. However you're going to do it, you have to kill it, which means you're going to probably be, um, a, you know, it's like uh, Donald Trump was compared to chemo, I remember. Uh, some healthy cells might go with that. We want to avoid that, but uh, the cancer will kill you. And that's what the convention has right now. And so, uh, as we've talked about many times. Uh, so that's it for this morning, um, now afternoon episode. I hope um, that's helpful to you. We'll have more later today. And we'll see, uh, we'll analyze what happened. Um, I, I look at this uh, and I see the long trajectory over many years of resolutions that have been given that have not been identified for what they are. And, uh, and I'm thinking of like the Confederate flag resolution, the alt-right resolution. I know there's been a bunch of, of, of similar resolutions to that. And it, it's been happening for years, this kind of thing. And most people didn't realize the play that was being made. They didn't realize the assumptions that were behind these things. And now it's coming back to bite a lot of conservatives. Uh, conservatives were pretty slow on realizing what was happening. Um, I'll tell you, if you go read even that 1995 resolution, uh, the apology for uh, slavery, and you might see you'll you'll see some some possible good things in that. But overall, there there's not there's some bad things in that as well. Uh, it was it was not a well written resolution in my opinion. Maybe someday we'll talk about that more. Uh, and I think they snuck some things in there. Uh, that have been haunting the Southern Baptist Convention ever since. 
And and that's um, and now that's just that conservatives can never challenge that. Uh, that's kind of the way that the that they think about it that way themselves, that the 1995 resolution was perfectly fine. But the CRT stuff is different. Go back and look at the trajectory of what's been happening over the last 25 years. It's been it's been a frog boiling. And finally, the frog woke up, but it's in it's in a boiling vat. And uh, that's what the Southern Baptist Convention is. That sounds dismal. I know. That's why I've been trying to remind everyone for the last week. Keep your eye on what's important. Yes. Steward your vote well. Steward your resources well. Um, Go to the Southern Baptist Convention if you're a Southern Baptist. Fight. At the same time, just realize that victory is the Lord's. And it's not the Southern Baptist Convention ultimately that matters uh, in an eternal scheme. Yes, it matters uh, here, here where we are here on earth. Uh, has influence, but uh, it is not the church. And there are other places that you can cooperate. I just talked about, um, I had the magazine here somewhere, I talked about the IFCA being one of them. You can go and check them out. They might be an organization you might want to cooperate with for, for different things. But there are organizations out there for fellowship and, and these kinds of things. And uh, after today, I think a lot of those are going to be growing. So um, we will have more analysis later today. And uh, any questions, um, hopefully I'll be able to answer some of them uh, to the best of my ability. God bless you all, and I I hope this was helpful. Uh, Bye now. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.